0: On Sagittarian Matters, Mermaid Ice Cream, Bisexuality, Combating Hopelessness, Talking About Gatekeepers, and More with my guests, Morgan, Beth Pickens, and Sabrina Jalise. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello, hello, hello from Los Angeles, where I have had ice cream three days in a row. Day number one, yoga peanut butter frozen yogurt with chocolate magic shell and a cone. The magic shell was a mistake. I would always choose bananas after this moment. Um, number two, Van Leeuwen, vegan Rocky Road ice cream. I tried a funky one they made with black sesame, recent friend of the show, and chunks of pumpkin cake. But the pumpkin cake was doing all the talking, and it was really overwhelming the black sesame. So I said, eh, the Rocky Road is a better ice cream. Again, got a sugar cone. Day number three, magpies. In Silver Lake, I got pumpkin spice with candied pecans and honeycomb, a.k.a. sponge toffee. No honey involved. Um, Those are the things I got. Probably by the time the next episode comes around, I will have zero teeth, and that's okay with me. Okay, on with the show. Seattle, I'm going to be there October 23rd. I'm going to be in conversation with Jill Soloway, Morgan Parker, and Hannah Gadsby to celebrate Jill's new book, She Wants It. You can get tickets now at shewantsitbook.com. Okay, now on to a quick advice question before our big episode with Beth Pickens, Morgan, and Sabrina Jalise. Dear Nicole, how do you create space to do your work? Like, what do you tell people? All right, dear person, I'm I'm going to talk about creating mental space and physical space. Number one, and some people have heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. I honor my circadian rhythms, and I try to find ways to be kinder to myself about my practice. So, you know, I used to work from home, and if I didn't get to work before 4, I would have a whole string of things to say to myself about how lazy I was. Well, then I just was like, what if I lean in and I accept the fact that I'm never going to get to work on art before 4 p.m.? That's okay. So now... I do admin stuff and human stuff during the day and then I clock in at a time that's good for me which is 4, 6, 7 p.m. and then I work late into the night and that is a way of being nice to myself and still keeping up with my practice and making space for that. So with human beings when they ask me what I'm doing I say I'm working and if they whine about it I mean, it's hard because I have so much Capricorn that I just kind of furrow my brow and I say, what do you want me to starve to death? I have to work to live. I'm sorry. Um, which isn't the most friendly Thing to do. And it's not the greatest advertisement for working for yourself, but it is something I maybe have said before. There is a gossip song that says, I'd like to stay and party, but I've got to go to work. And I ended up repeating that to a lot of people when I was finishing my book. Anyway, whatever you need to do to get your friends off your case, just say, Oh, I'd love to do that, but I'm working that day. Let's make a plan for a different day when I'm not working. Um, I have a lot of rituals to get into my space. I always play the same playlist. I always light the same incense. I put on my smock. I sit down and that means I've clocked in and I know it's time to work. I also have an end point that I know, okay, I can't work after a certain hour or else the quality of my work is going to fade. So I need to have a time that I'm going to clock out no matter what. Even if I still have the will to keep working, I'm not going to have the way. And so that's usually an hour before bedtime so that I give myself 15 minutes to clean up my station so my workspace is clean the next time I come to it. If I can, I try to leave something on the on my drawing table that I want to come back to, a drawing that I find a little bit exciting. I leave something exciting or fun for myself to draw I clean everything up. I clean my brushes. I empty the water cup. I make sure it's nice and tidy there so I'll want to sit there again someday. And I give myself at least an hour to wind down after working. Now, if you live with your partner, I wouldn't work from home if I lived with my partner. That's just me because the last time I lived with a partner, it was very distracting to have somebody I liked coming and knocking at the door if something they deemed important was happening. Um, I got a studio outside of the home And frankly, people who live with other people, you're sharing expenses anyway. You might have a little bit of extra money to go share a studio with strangers that do not entice you quite as much as your partner. So I had a studio outside of the home, and that's where I went if I really needed to get work done. And then that helps your work hours become even more valuable and condensed because you're paying for that time. You're paying for that space. You left the house to go there. So if you go to another space and just dick around on Instagram for three hours, that's your bad. Um, Anyway, I think that that's generally it, and I hope that that is helpful advice for you. Now, on to the show. This week, I cornered comedian Sabrina Jalise for some advice on dogs, shortcomings, and coming out to your parents. You can find Sabrina on the Netflix show, The Comedy Lineup, right now. You may be able to hear Silas Howard and a barking Ponzini Linguini in the background of our chat. Um, But before we get to that, I wanted to add one thing to the dog ownership question. Somebody asked if they should get a dog in the wake of a breakup. And my question to add to Sabrina's wisdom is, are you prepared time-wise to get a dog? Do you have enough time personally to walk a dog every day so that it can see the outside and get some energy out? Or is a dog's life going to be like the movie Misery? Misery cannot stress enough how important exercise and discipline are to dogs especially small dogs especially big dogs and also medium-sized dogs you need to have the time to spend with the dog you have to come home every night and if you're newly single as the questioner reveals themselves to be do you want to come home every night and have someone waiting for you to fulfill their basic needs and do you have the bandwidth financially and emotionally for if something goes wrong with the dog if the dog has a behavioral malfunction, if the dog has a medical malfunction, you know, if, if something is awry and the dog is not just, you know, the painting from the front of the dog food bag of somebody carrying a tennis ball happy to see you, will that be one thing too much and you're already kind of stressed out world? Or will it be good for you to have something else to focus on these are all just questions to ask yourself questions I pose you know that I love dogs I just want to make sure that they land in good places and I want to make sure that you sign up for something that isn't going to add to your stress load so please enjoy my talks with Sabrina Jalise and trust we will have some animal episodes of Sagittarian Matters coming very soon What are your thoughts on getting a dog to cope with a breakup?
1: I think getting a dog is a terrific idea if you have the means to care for the dog. So first think that. Can I care for a dog? Which, If you have a job, maybe you can bring it to the job. Maybe you've got a cool neighbor that also wants to walk dogs. Maybe you've got enough money to to download the WAG app. And I wish I had my referral code. (laughs) But... First question that do you have the means to get a dog? And then just get a fucking dog. I mean, yeah, to cope with a breakup, to snuggle at the end of the night, even if you're not in a break just get dogs are wonderful uh partners, regardless of whether you got a partner or not. I'm Sabrina Julius. That's the handle at Sabrina J A L E E S and the websites dot com
0: <laughs> Oh my god, wait, I have I have, I do have something to say about Canadian that, which <laughs> I do have to, Canadian, that's right. I do have to say that if you have weak energy, you need to be cautious and think very hard about getting a dog so that you can give the dog structure and order and boundaries so that it's a good dog and it's not adding to your load.
1: Or maybe you need to challenge that load. Challenge the load. Oh, challenge yeah, if you got, yeah, I mean, the means, what I, I should include in the means is like, do you have the energy? Yeah. But maybe your energy can be challenged to the means.
0: Oh, yeah, like you can step up to the dog challenge. That's right. Okay, and ready for the hard question? <laughs> How do I forgive myself for my own shortcomings? <laughs>
1: oh. Um, you know, you're not supposed to be anything and that's probably, uh, something we all feel is that we're supposed to be some kind of version of ourselves. And if you let go of that, then what's a shortcoming? There wasn't an expectation to begin with, right? Yeah. Yeah. And life is hard. And if you're alive and moving through it, then way to go. You did it. And I don't think I think, well, you know, I'm trying to picture what a short a real shortcoming is so that I can give you like not a um, yeah,
0: so say like you rose get grabbed at times you don't want to. You know, I I think like it's like acknowledging it and just sitting with it and be like, this is just a fact. This is a thing that I maybe I would like to be different, but it's not different right now. It just is.
1: And And also the whole goal is that you live a life that serves you that that and and the community around you that you feel happy. And so if something if a shortcoming is something that is like bumping up against your happiness, then it makes total sense for you to start working on that. And if it's too difficult to start now, then just like keep it in your mind as a thing that you like kind of meditate on or and I mean meditate in the loosest sense did you just look at the tree you meditated every time you look at a tree link it with the shortcoming that you want to work on and then eventually you'll work on it I just got my first therapist I'm 33 years old I just got my first therapist I've been telling people to go to therapy my whole life and then just realized, like oh shit like (laughs) I wonder if I would have one thing to work on and it turns out
0: I think it's wherever you're at is okay. I'm going to parrot what Sabrina said. Wherever you're at is okay. There might be things about yourself that you would like to be a little bit different. But in the meantime, you know, just sit with them. You're fine. You're fine exactly as you are. Okay, last question. I was a closeted bisexual. I came out to my parents. They think it is a fad.
1: Oh, my God. That's the first parent's reaction to any sort of gay thing. I also came out to my parents as bi because it's like... You know, easier to come out and be like, I wasn't lying, but I have a new thing. (laughs) Um, And in a lot of ways, I think we all weren't lying and we have a new thing. We're all evolving and things start to become clearer and make sense. And even those things start to get foggy and different things start to make sense. So um, your parents will move past it because there's love in that relationship Um, but it'll take time for them to adjust to seeing you different in the same way it took time for you to adjust, but you've been dealing with it even subconsciously for much longer. And if you are living a healthy, fun life, that will, um, also I find, I mean, my parents, when I got into my first relationship, I think is what that was healthy and good was when they were like, Oh, this is okay. This isn't her being like, I'm a, I'm going to be a crackhead. And I'm doing crack! Because <laughs> it's this big other thing to them.
0: You're looking for love.
1: But that's a very common um, problem, and I'm, I'm here with you.
0: That's nice. Sabrina Jalise is here with you. You can find Sabrina at sabrinajalees.com. Where's this going? Sagittarian Matters. Oh, cool. Hey, Sag, Matt. I can't remember what your sign is. Aries, of course. Of course. And Silas is here. I can't remember. I think he might be a Leo.
2: No, I'm a Gemini. <laughs> right.
0: um, I, the thing about your parents not believing you, it doesn't matter if they believe you or not. It might feel like it matters what your parents think right now because you live with them and they're buying you groceries and housing it feels
1: you. It's nicer when your parents are happy with you if you're used to having that kind of relationship. If yeah. you're used to having a relationship where you're con- you're like, well, these people are never going to get it. Like I have family members that I'm like, you're never going to get it. And I'm not struggling or striving for anything with them
0: but trillions of gay people before you have had parents who don't believe or accept them for the way they are and i just have to say it doesn't matter what other people think about you all that matters is how you think about you and that you get to live your life so if they're not standing in your way just do your thing and eventually they'll come around or they won't i heard something really helpful this week somebody said you know your life is like a movie and you get to cast it you get to cast the movie of your life and you get to decide who gets a speaking role and who the focus of the movie is. You know, some people are just meant to have a walk-on or to be in the background. And if your parents aren't supporting you through your journey as you get older and you're more independent of them and you want to let your bi-flag fly, then maybe they get a different role in the movie of your life. Maybe they, they get you know, downgraded a little bit until they can be people that bring you joy and support and acceptance. That's it. Thank you to Sabrina for joining me for this advice. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Beth Pickens is a Capricorn, an arts consultant, a strategic planner and grant writer, and the author of the book, Your Art Will Save Your Life, with Feminist Press. You can find her on Instagram at Beth Pickens Consulting or online at bethpickens.com. Beth Pickens, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Hello,
3: Nicole. I think at this point it's fair to call me a regular.
0: You are a fan favorite. You are a friend of the show. and go, Yes, we could call you a regular. Thanks. It's nice having you here. But <laughs> we're here because you have a new pamphlet.
3: I dropped a new pamphlet.
0: <laughs> a new pamphlet just dropped. It's called On Artists and Hopelessness. Where can people get it? You can order
3: it through the Women's Center for Creative Work in Los Angeles on their website. Check them out out on the internet or on Instagram. And sales of this pamphlet 100% benefit the Women's Center for Creative Work.
0: That's really nice. Why did you write this pamphlet? I
3: wrote this pamphlet because um, I think a lot of my artist clients and people in general, but my clients grapple with hopelessness. Um, Sorry, Ponyo. I don't want to ignore you.
0: Hope Ponzini Linguini is throwing a miniature Kong into our laps
3: as we speak. I didn't know what to do, but I thought you throw the Kong. You don't ignore the Kong. Well, you
0: have to ignore the Kong so that Panya puts the cans back on and does the levels. <laughs> She's trying to get out of work right now by putting the ball in your lap.
3: Panya, we're working. So I wrote this pamphlet because people grapple with hopelessness, and I don't believe in ignoring it. I just want to dive right into it. And I think hopelessness is a natural consequence of sometimes the world around us, sometimes things going on in the inside, sometimes those two things commingling.
0: Yeah. Um, We have a few questions from this, but I wanted to start with a question um, that I got, which was, Dear Sagittarian Matters and Queer Abbey. I struggle with self-promotion. I don't want to seem braggadocious, and I don't like boasting about myself online. Is it okay to talk about my work? Signed, Troubled in Tucson. Dear Troubled. Yes, of course. I mean –
3: my wish for all the artists I work with is that they would be among their own biggest fans. And it's okay to take up space and put your things into the world. We, th- the world is not going to find your work just because it's good. It's hard to find things. And so you have to actually like let people know what you make and that it exists. And I think sometimes people, I don't want to just say women or marginalized people, but definitely those groups included, feel like taking up space is the same thing as being pushy. These are not the same thing.
0: What is the difference?
3: I think when somebody says no and then you keep
0: (laughs) giving the thing –
3: like somebody unsubscribes from your email list and then you put them back on, that's weird and pushy. But simply advertising your things out into the world, telling your friends, your family, your fans when you have an exhibition or a performance or something new out or you need help or support, I think that's like being in the world and being in community. And if we – I think there's this false belief that if something's good, then it will naturally become successful and rise to the top and people will find it and that's never been true ever in the history of the world that's literally never been true
0: yeah I it is kind of a pet peeve of mine I mean self-promotion is not something that you necessarily start start at the start of your life feeling comfortable with it's something you have to get used to in order to tell people about your work because like you said no one's going to come knock on your door and ask to look through your files to see if you have any talent or anything But i I
3: think you might be a genius may i look sir through your journals
0: (laughs) well i guess i've just been sitting here this whole time very humble (laughs) in my place (laughs) but i guess you could take a look but one of my pet peeves is when I have a friend who I know has been working on a project really hard and when they don't put their all into promoting it or telling people about it, it drives me up the wall because so I'm I, oftentimes I'm like, I would have liked to have purchased your book or gone to see your performance or gone to your reading except for you didn't tell anyone about it until five seconds before it happened mm-hmm. or you mentioned it once And then never mention it again. And it's annoying to me that you worked as hard on something and then you didn't stand behind it in a public way.
3: Yeah. And people do that all the time, right? A lot of my clients, a lot of my friends do that. And I think it's a form of self-sabotage. And it's useful for people who do that to hear like, hey, that actually bothers your friends and fans. We want to actually consume your work. We want to participate. But you're preventing us from having the opportunity.
0: That's how I feel about it. And I mean, and if you see people who are self-promoting, it's not because they look in the mirror every day and I mean, I guess there's nothing there's also nothing wrong with confidence. I think there's also this kind of weird thing and it exists a lot in the straight world which is like, well, don't get too big for your britches. Don't let people think you like yourself too much. And we know that's that's bullshit
3: from the white supremacist capitalist militaristic patriarchy. Yeah. If you're not going to love you and what you do, then why would anybody else?
0: That's true. Panyo, I need you to get down because you're, you're trying to fluff the guest.
3: <laughs> not producing, Panyo. not producing. Yeah, so it's, it's important to like take up space, let people know what you're doing. It doesn't have to be the only thing you talk about. You can still be a human who has conversations and reciprocity in your relationships. But part of what you do as an artist, as a writer, is let people know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a different example than people I know that put out, you know, a a zine or have a show or something. But after each of my books came out, I blocked out about a year to have touring and traveling and to have opportunities to go to conferences and schools and book festivals to tell people about my books because I had worked on them for so long and they were so hard to do that I was like well this is the fun part is telling people about it like if you're an artist you work alone in isolation for so long so then kind of relish and enjoy the opportunity to tell people about it once it's out in the world
3: right and in the modern in the modern digital age the world is noisy and filled with content so it is even harder to find out about things that our people are doing it's just there's so much noise so Take up space. Tell your friends, your family, and your fans what you're making and how they can be a part of it. Yeah. Be of service to your projects in that way.
0: And also, I don't, I can't shift anyone's thinking, but I think it's really healthy and productive to feel happy for people when you see them talking about a new project they have. Um, I was somewhere where someone said, "Envy is another form of self-loathing," and I was like, "Ooh,
3: it's yeah. so true." If you find yourself feeling upset by somebody else's, for example marketing on digital media, ask yourself, first of all, do I want to be following this person? Is this somebody I actually even like or care about? And if it is somebody you like and care about and you're upset by their marketing, that's a signal that you might want to do a little bit of internal work around this. If it's somebody you're hate following, unfollow them. Take your life back.
0: I know. I, I'm not, I can't even say any of the hashtags Um, that I think of when I think of the people that I hate follow or have hate followed in the past, but muting them, even just muting them. Uh If you want to give yourself the opportunity to jump back in later, makes me feel a lot better. Like not just having running shitty jokes about it makes me feel better.
3: Life is really short. Don't waste your time hate following people and then thinking about it.
0: I wish I could say the hashtags right now. One of my favorite things, and Julia Klausner has a great recent episode of How Is Your Week where she reads out this doula's hashtags. Is <laughs> <laughs> reading hash, lists of hashtags out loud. When people have like 400 hashtags at the end of a post, like hashtag joy, hashtag laugh, hashtag fun
3: live laugh love love
0: i love julie
3: Klausner. i hashtag live laugh love julie Klausner.
0: <laughs> me too me too um okay beth i have some questions that are in your pamphlet this is a little teaser for people dear beth i feel hopeless when i see someone younger than me doing things i want to achieve from bummed out in birmingham
3: Can I read it? Yeah. Dear bummed out. There is always someone younger. Someone older too. You are on a continuum, not a ladder. Turn the ladder on its side. Compare and despair, my friend. Comparing someone's exterior to your interior will make you feel awful. What that younger, older, other person is doing is not your business. What you're doing is your business. When you see something you want that another person achieved, take one step toward that goal. The only useful comparison is current you to past you.
0: Ooh!
3: All plagiarized. I got it out of Ponyo's journal.
0: (laughs) You did? Because you came to my house and you wanted to know if we had anything worthwhile. Yeah.
3: I heard there might be a genius living here and I just wanted to look through her journals.
0: Ponyo didn't want to post her writing because she was afraid it would look arrogant. And
3: boastful. And
0: boastful. (laughs) She stayed right-sized. She stayed you know, six and a half inches tall.
3: Well, you know, it's interesting. So in the Musar tradition of Judaism, um, character traits are called midot. So an in individual midah, one of them is humility and humility, which we often confuse with humiliation. Humility is taking up your right space. So it's like no less than your space, no more than your space. Ooh. But I really like to think about well, what would be less than your space? Cause a lot of people are conditioned to take up less than their space.
2: Mm.
0: That's so interesting. And it, I think I guess it's separate, but I was thinking about something someone over the summer said was talking about how, you know, when people are so insecure that then they're actually taking up way more space, mm-hmm. letting everybody know how insecure they are so that people kind of like fishing for compliments or saying aloud how much they suck. So other people rush in and are like, wait, no, you don't
3: being the piece of shit in the center of the universe.
0: Yeah. If people aren't familiar with that saying, I actually first heard it on a Mark Marin WTF podcast. Um, because he's in recovery and I think it's an alcoholic thing, Mm -hmm. but he said, piece of shit in the center of the universe. And it makes so much Mm -hmm. sense when people feel terrible about themselves and then they suck all the air out of the room, making sure everybody knows how terrible they feel. Yeah. That's a bummer. It is a bummer. I don't know how to get it out of that, but you know, one of the questions I got this week was somebody asked, how do I get comfortable with my shortcomings?
3: I think the first step is accept them mm-hmm. like we have shortcomings everybody does and a part of our whole life arc is sort of working on ourselves to become more of ourselves throughout life and um, all of our character defects or shortcomings I think they're just like attributes that are out of balance so how to just get it back into a balance. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I think I think accepting them and just understanding that if everybody has them, if you if you hear this and you're like, oh, no, I, I am a piece of shit in the center of the universe, I do feel braggadocious and boastful if I say anything nice about myself. Okay, well, just sit with that. It's not terrible. You're not Jeffrey Dahmer because you have that. It doesn't mean that you're unlovable or that you don't deserve to exist. You can just sit with it and be like, okay, well, now what?
3: Yeah, you're, you're just a person. You're a human like everybody else around you. Yeah.
0: Today's episode of Sagittarian Matters is brought to you by prunes dipped in tahini, ponzini linguini, and my new advice column, Queer Abbey. You can read Queer Abbey right now for free at intoMore.com. Dear Beth, I feel hopeless trying to access gatekeepers, but then feeling like an opportunist. Also trying to insert myself into existing networks that seem completely disinterested in expanding, yet are again the gatekeepers of opportunities. Signed, Frustrated in Fresno.
3: Oh, get out of Fresno. Just kidding. It's beautiful. Okay. Dear Frustrated, you have to ask for things. This does not make you opportunistic. Other people are asking for things. Why shouldn't you? Asking is what gets you results. When a gatekeeper says no or says nothing at all, move on to the next one. When you think an existing network seems completely disinterested, first interrogate that assumption. Are they truly disinterested or are things just not happening on your timeline? Are you assuming no answer yet means no? Are you cultivating opportunities to show, present what you do with your creative community outside of formal constraints? You and your artist friends can make anything happen, and soon, you don't have to wait for a gatekeeper to say yes to showing your work. Oh, there, sorry. Many people are awkward, sort of shy, or feel weird in networky professional art situations. Those gatekeepers may outwardly seem disinterested in person, but that may not be at all what's going on for them inside.
0: That's great. Beth, do you have any final bits of advice from this pamphlet that you want people to take away or to get excited to read? Uh, yeah.
3: You know, I, I think it's really important for people to sort of create their own personal um, list of what helps stoke hope and hopefulness for them, especially when, so, so they can call on that when they're having a lot of despair. Producer Ponyo is losing her shit right now.
0: <laughs> She's, She's losing her shit. <laughs> <laughs> she threw her headphones off, she left the board, she started rolling on her back on the couch, spitting tennis balls at the guests.
3: She accused me of plagiarism and said, "I will be hearing from her lawyer i didn't know Sagittarius Matters had a lawyer. This is all news to me um, yeah yeah, so it's like when when we're when we're in our sort of healthier selves, that's a really good time to create the foundations of things that we can then lean on when we're not feeling so healthy. So, you know, a lot of my clients are really struggling right now with sort of all the um, rape and sexual assault stuff that's up in the media. So that's really activated in a ton of people since most women have experienced gender-based violence. And... So this would be the time for them to then lean on what they've cultivated that yields hope, you know, so not to like not to draw on those things for you when you have an empty well, but when you're feeling fuller to create what you know will work for you and it will be different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I put a list in the back of things that make me feel hopeful.
0: Can you give us a few?
3: Um, yeah well there's a list in there but that's already from July so things that make me feel hopeful now um, I really like autumn I'm really enjoying the cooler temperature in Los Angeles that makes me feel hopeful every time I go to the grocery store I buy more pumpkins and I say to no one out loud I'm an adult and I can buy however many fucking pumpkins I want (laughs) nobody knows why nobody's (laughs) trying to stop me to buy pumpkins but for some reason I'm working something out
0: how many do you have right now
3: two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have like 10 or 12, but some of them are mini. They're not all full size, but some of them are full size. Um, and I'm going to get more. Can we cut them up? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to make jack-o'-lanterns naturally. Um, and I also, you know, like I'm, I'm studying another language and that makes me feel hopeful because it reminds me the world is big and I can explore lots of places. Um, and sitting with my cat who you know he's kind of a lemon he doesn't have a great personality but he's really good looking so i like to look at him Mm -hmm. that makes me feel hopeful
0: things that make me i don't know if they make me feel hopeful but they make me feel sound in the world are like if i don't feel like doing any of my work because i'm a working artist and so sometimes going to work feels like homework every day i find if i tap into some of my old zumba routines because i used to be a zumba instructor during home aerobics, as folded into my homo aerobics slash punk aerobics times, as an aerobics teacher, I had a lot of Zumba routines, and so it's really fun to do those by myself or with Panyo, who's pretty excited by the Zumba routines too. It like gets me moving, and they're so stupid. They're so stupid, and when I'm doing them, I accidentally do an impression of my teacher who taught them to me, who had like a weird smile she did while she was doing everything. You were there, you saw. Her. Oh, I saw. Um. I'll do that. I will um, – I remember that music exists and that I can listen to – I listened to Bikini Kill the other day after the week of Kavanaugh hearings, and it felt awesome. Oh, yeah. It felt really awesome to hear Kathleen Hanna scream, Suck My Loved One. <laughs> That's awesome. It felt – so I just – I can't recommend that enough. Um
3: I mean, art, like art is what always makes me feel hopeful, like seeing what people do with their experiences and how they understand the world and how they reflect it back in so many incredible ways. That always makes me feel hopeful.
0: Yeah. Reading King Cat before I go to bed settles my mind, calms my mind. I just have like so many issues of King Cat and giant compendiums of of that. And also just looking at pictures of sloths or videos of them and then my drawings of them. Like I've drawn pictures of sloths that I haven't done anything with, but if I go back and look at them, like... Oh, that guy's here. That's cool. <laughs> so not to say like my your own art, but something that you've done that you like. That you're like, oh, yeah, this makes me feel nice. I did something that I enjoy being in the world. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that is your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet, like the insect, leg, like its appendage, at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared, that's Ponyo's voice. Morgan. Hey, Nicole. Welcome back to Sagittary Manners. I
2: love being back. Love being back.
0: Where are we and what are we about to do? We
2: are indulging in a post-pizza scoop of ice cream at Virtuous Pie in Portland, Oregon. And we are tasting mermaid flavor.
0: Did you say mermaid flavor? I did say mermaid flavor. It is dark green. It is green like kelp. Or spirulina. It smells normal.
2: I've warned Nicole. So just full disclosure, I've eaten this flavor. And the first bite is weird. And then the second to infinite bites are really enjoyable. The um, woman working the counter agreed with me. So Nicole's having her first bite. Let's get her
0: feedback. How do you feel about your first bite?
2: Face scrunch. Okay. Now let's see what happens with the second bite.
0: It's a sweet, creamy ice cream. Yeah. It's not crystallized in any way. No. The weirdness in the first bite is that there's spirulina in it, so you're getting that back-of-mouth kind of spirulina, like, earthy taste. Yeah, like, it's like co-op.
2: Go you're like, oh, are we in a co-op right now? Is this wheatgrass? It's there carrot juice. And the other
0: taste in this is maca. Is that true?
2: Yeah. What is maca? Some kind of root. I think it's a superfood. It's like, you know. Ancient? Definitely ancient. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Uh, I think it tastes malty. Oh, you're an Its powers are um, virility, and uh, I think it's an adaptogen. These are not scientifically proven or even accurate, but these Adaption. are things I remember reading.
0: Okay. I'm going to take a picture of it. It's interesting. Keep going. I don't know if I would ever be like.
2: No, I'm going.
0: I don't know if I would ever be like, this is my number one ice cream flavor. It's interesting. I'm going to power through this, but I don't think I would. I don't know if I, I feel like it needs one more element. This one's
2: particularly green. There was a little more marbling last time.
0: I really like it. I think the texture
2: is so good Mm -hmm. and the flavor is delightful.
0: What's the base? I don't know. Can you describe the flavor? We described the back-of-mouth flavor, but can you describe the forward, front-forward flavor? It's, like, really creamy, kind of vanilla-y,
2: you know, not tangy, sweet, rich. Mm,
0: I don't know. Clean. Clean eating. Clean Nothing cleaner than a nice green mouth. That's all I care about. Nice green mouth. Well, Morgan, thanks for... Uh, Thanks for giving us some mermaid ice cream.
2: I'm eating the rest of this. Bye, Nicole.
0: If you come to Portland, Oregon, you can get this at Virtuous Pie. Mm. Vegan. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.